Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code locked on. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E chew.com. Promo code locked on. L O C K E D O N to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Layton in Tampa, excited for the back-to-back wins, excited for Devin White getting not only his first interception, but a scoop and score return and just all over the field. Also, Shaq Barrett, JPP still doing it. Great win. Talk to you guys soon. Go Bucks. What's up, guys? This is Matt and Troy from Morgan, Georgia. Coming to you live from Jacksonville, where we just witnessed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kick the crap out of the Jaguars. It was a great experience. It was it was actually Troy's first Bucks game. Troy, what do you got to say about it? That actually also see my fans defeat the Jaguars in July. And uh, um, it was pretty the Buccaneers get touchdowns and the life and this ain't us, it's official, but Chadwick sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there you have it. It was a great game, great experience. I'm, I'm glad I got to, to share that with my son. It was really windy, though, and uh, it actually made the North End goalpost crooked. Luckily, that didn't come into play. And the most excited the Jaguars got is when they benched Foles for Minshew. I mean, the place erupted. You'd have thought they won. But anyway, go Bucks. David, James, it's Grico at Grico Suave. What a great win by the Bucks. Good to see the defense pull it out. That reminded me of the old Bucks, man. You know, Derek Brooks and the boys. Fantastic game. I- I'm so glad to see the rookies come together, playing hard, and Devin White. What a game. What a game. Go Bucks. Welcome Bucks fans to your Monday episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am your host for today's episode, David Harrison. James Yarko unfortunately couldn't make it through all the excitement that went down in Jacksonville. It made him sick, gave him a headache. He was so stressed out. So unfortunately, James is is inactive for this episode and he's going to have to join us hopefully for tomorrow. So hopefully James is feeling better, getting some rest. 
We'll hear from James tomorrow. But fortunately, we've got a whole bunch of you, a bunch of Buccaneers fans who called in after the game, wanted to get your thoughts on record. And, of course, we appreciate it. You've already heard three of them, Leighton, Matt, and Troy. Greco, we appreciate all your thoughts, all of your your comments and your excitement following the game, especially Troy. Uh, congratulations, buddy. Going to see your first Buccaneers game in person. Uh, I'm so happy that it was a win for you. Matt, so happy that you were able to share that with your son and, and go see that victory. So let's recap the game. So obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win, come out of Jacksonville. Now they're sitting at 5-7, and seven, uh, second place in the NFC South as the Carolina Panthers fell this week as well. I sent a tweet out during the game talking about complimentary football. At one point in time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had gotten three turnovers on three Jaguars possessions. The very first three possessions the Jacksonville Jaguars had ended in turnovers from the Buccaneers' defense. The Buccaneers' offense turned two out of those three into touchdowns, into points. And the Buccaneers' defense went ahead and turned one of those turnovers into points themselves, a la a Devin White fumble return for a touchdown. Devin White's first professional touchdown, so obviously a great moment for him. And speaking of Devin White, led the team with seven tackles. Shared that honor with the veteran Levante David, who Levante David, for a guy who leads this team and as a captain on the defense and, and all that stuff, really kind of a quiet afternoon. I mean, just a business-like afternoon where Levante went out there, did his thing, played his game, came up with a tackle for a loss and a pass defended. But other than that, it was some of the younger guys and some of the newer faces in Buccaneers uniforms making some of the splash plays. And I'm sure that Levante is absolutely happy to allow that to happen, and and, to, and he probably welcomes it, uh, taking some of the burden off of his shoulders. But speaking of Devin White again, uh, his young protege again, like I said, tied for the team lead and tackles on the game, also came up with a tackle for a loss, came up with another quarterback hit, had an interception, uh, his first interception of his career as well. And came up with two passes defended and that fumble recovery that he returned for a touchdown. Just an all-around absolutely great game for Devin. Uh, I'm not going to go out on the limb and crown him as the quote-unquote player of the game. However, if you guys want to do that, by all means, go head over to BucksNation.com. It's up right now. It went up shortly after the game. The Bucks Nation Community Player of the Week is something that we started doing a few weeks ago where we essentially we asked the readers of BucksNation.com to vote for their favorite player, from that week's game to name them the player of the week. Devin is definitely one of five nominees from this game. And I can tell you that when I last checked uh, the vote count, he was definitely running away with it. So seems like a, a pretty solid chance that Mr. White is going to come out of this week as the Bucks Nation player of the week, which would actually be his second time getting that honor from you guys, the fans. So I'm sure he appreciates it. I know you sent a shout out to the Buckaholics not too long ago. So I know he appreciates you guys and the fans. Loves interacting with you, loves bringing you guys joy. And as much as the team loves winning, they love when you guys are excited as well. Back to the game, though. The Buccaneers started off on fire. We already talked about how the defense did with those first three uh, Jacksonville Jaguar possessions. Obviously, Nick Foles coming out not doing the greatest uh, for his for his team there. And the Buccaneers came out in the first quarter, scored 15 points off of two touchdowns, one offensive, one defensive. And they got the two-point conversion after the defensive touchdowns. After the defensive touchdown, thanks to a penalty on the Jacksonville Jaguars on what would have been the extra point try. Instead, Bruce Arians elected to take the penalty yardage, put the ball on the one, and Peyton Barber did the rest. Uh, Peyton Barber, another guy, unless you're like me and you had Ronald Jones playing on your fantasy team, uh, probably pretty happy to see him doing what he did, which don't get me wrong, I was actually still very happy to see what he did. Of course, a Buccaneers win should be first and foremost in everyone's mind, but 
At the same time, you would like for the team you root for and for your fantasy team to win, I'm sure, and that's that's always fair. Uh, but Peyton Barber finishing the day with 17 carries, 44 yards, and those two touchdowns that he scored there in the first half as the Buccaneers took a 25 to nothing lead into the locker room. Uh, now, coming out in the second half, the neither the Buccaneers or the Jaguars ever really got a whole lot of consistent production going from the offense. In fact, in the third quarter, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense dropped all the way down to averaging 4.5 yards per play when they had been averaging 5.7 and 6.4 yards per play in the first and second quarter alone and absolutely dominated time of possession. So you talk about guys on this team who really haven't stepped up in 2019 the way that we thought they would, right? Peyton Barber came into the season as the number one running back. I know, I think everybody pretty much agrees that Ronald Jones has the most upside uh, just because of his athleticism, his bursts, his, his long speed, and everything else. But that Peyton Barber maybe right now is the kind of the most all-around uh, back as far as being a, just kind of a solid contributor everywhere. He can do a little bit of everything, whereas Ronald Jones is really good at a few things. Uh, obviously getting pulled today. We'll get into that later if you, you had some, some calls about that. Uh, but today... Peyton Barber is his day. And then we talk about some other guys who really haven't been performing up to snuff. Brashad Perryman, a guy who coming up to uh, the deadline to, to cut him in order to recoup basically what would be a compensatory draft pick, probably a fourth, maybe a third, uh, probably more of a fourth, maybe even uh, lower than that. But essentially, if the Buccaneers were to have cut Brashad Perryman by a certain point, they would have been in the market to recoup one of those comp picks, probably most likely would have recouped one of those comp picks. And a lot of people questioned if he was really doing anything on the team to, to validate the team keeping him beyond that deadline. Well, today at least, you know, and it's only one day I got it, but at least today he definitely showed up, uh, didn't lead the team. He was tied for second uh, with six targets on the team, but he did tie for the lead, the team lead in receptions with five, led the, led the team with 87 yards receiving, and had the longest pass completion from Jameis Winston today of 32 yards so Brashad Perryman certainly stepping up for the team today. And the guy that he tied with all of those, a guy who tied him, uh, tied with him for second on the team in targets, tied with him for first in the team in receptions, and was second place on the team in yards, O.J. Howard. No drop passes, no bobbles into the arms of a defender, no tips into the hands of a defender. Actually came down with a 25-yard pass play himself, which matched Mike Evans for their longest of the day. Chris Godwin, of course, the ever-steady Chris Godwin, caught four of his six targets for 50 yards and had a long himself of 27 yards and had a couple of them that almost looked like they could have gone for touchdowns. But ultimately, nobody caught a touchdown pass as James Winston went without throwing a touchdown pass. However, he also went without throwing an interception, did have a lost fumble. And again, we'll talk to that, talk about that a little bit as well as it kind of blends into the Rojo conversation but really I kind of look at this game and that's almost I mean you have some guys like Devin White who have been kind of he's been steadily just kind of growing and growing getting better and better Sean Murphy bunting came through with an interception granted that was probably more of a mistake on D.D. Westbrook's part than it was a positive play by Sean Murphy bunting but hey uh, luck is not just luck is not something that just happens luck comes when preparation meets opportunity Uh, D.D. Westbrook bobbling that catch that would have been a touchdown to bring the Jaguars within one score there kind of late in the game, gave Sean Murphy Bunting an opportunity. His preparation allowed him to take advantage of that opportunity. He took advantage of it, and uh, everything worked out well for the Buccaneers, so we're happy that he did that, of course. But just another guy who a lot of people have been down on this season because he hasn't necessarily been performing up to the way they want him to. Even even Devin White, guys, I mean, uh, you know, he was sick to start the season, got injured in week two, missed some games, 
But a lot of people were questioning whether or not he should have been drafted, uh, where he was drafted. Of course, today, playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, a guy that a lot of those people wanted drafted in the spot that Devin was drafted, Josh Allen, uh, defensive end, came up, made his got his ninth sack of the season, which sets a Jaguars rookie record for their franchise. So, you know, congratulations, kudos to him. But I think Devin White has been doing enough lately, especially in the past two or three weeks. He's really gotten uh, incrementally better. I mean, this might be the peak as far as statistical performances go because I don't know how many games, you know, uh, Devin's been steadily growing and getting better and better. But, I mean, I guess the next step, I mean, he didn't have any sacks in this game, right? So I guess the next step would be, you know, uh, next week next weekend against Indianapolis, he's got to have – uh, two sacks. He's had two sacks. He's got to have a fumble recovery and an interception. He's got to score at least one touchdown to keep the trend going, right? Um, we'll see if that happens. Something tells me it's probably not going to happen, but that's okay. Um, the fact that Devin White is coming out here balling out, showing that he can be a leader talent-wise on the field is a huge plus for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So those kind of wrap up my initial thoughts on this game. Guys, you, have, you guys have, have done a really great job. You've called in We've gotten some really good voicemails, so I want to go ahead now and get to your voicemails and respond to those. Hey, guys. This is Dan from Orlando, currently driving home from our victory today in Jacksonville. It was a great game to be at. Uh, me and uh, my best friend and his little brother, we were able to get tickets and be in the end zone where all the action happened. Our defense was stout right there at the goal line. We got that pick by Murphy Bunting. That was great. Um, Jamel Dean went out with an injury, and then Mr. Liability Ryan Smith came in. I don't know what the deal with that was. Um, I'm going to have to read up on that. Um, you guys can talk about that. And uh, why didn't we run Rojo more? I mean, Peyton Barber had a pretty damn good game, but what, what, what happened to Rojo? Why wasn't he in? And, yeah, like, uh, that's my only issue. Like, O.J. got some catches. Perriman, yeah, he got five catches, but it looks like he doesn't put in any effort if the ball's not right in his chest. Like, there's a couple plays where uh, Winston threw it to him, and he had to run a little bit extra, but he, would, he wasn't going to do it. And that was that was very um, frustrating to see. Um, I, I really hope he's gone and... Uh, we can get somebody that uh, either in the draft or free agency that can actually be a solid uh, number three wide receiver for us. And I honestly think we need to trade OJ for draft picks because with all that potential he's got, we just do not use it. Like two or three catches a game is, is not enough for somebody that's a first-round draft pick. But anyways, thanks, guys. Love the show. Go Bucks! Victory Monday, baby. Love it. All right, Dan, appreciate the phone call as always. And, yeah, listen, uh, a lot to unpack there. As far as Jamel Dean's concerned, uh, Jamel Dean, my understanding is he injured his left shoulder. Not sure what his status is going to be moving forward. Obviously something that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on. I'm sure that uh, Coach Arians is going to get asked about Dean's status tomorrow during the press conference. And then when the when the Buccaneers get back to work uh, preparing for Indianapolis, that'll be something that everybody definitely pays attention to on the injury report to see if he's going to be able to go. Uh, and, yeah, Ryan Smith uh, playing in his place. Um, look, I mean, it's it's obviously not an av- advantageous situation, but really at the end of the day, you know, that's that's really all you got. I mean, Carlton Davis, Sean, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, Jamel Dean, Ryan Smith, and, I mean, and Mazzy Wilkins. I mean, th- those are your 
those are your active players in this game for the Buccaneers who could feasibly play uh, the cornerback position. And and as as much upside as a guy like Wilkins might have, you know what I mean. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be ready to just kind of get thrown into the fire. And Ryan Smith, the guy who's been around for a little while, he's got some athletic tools uh, that if you know if he could use them properly. And then from a scheme from a scheme standpoint, you know, once the All Twenty Two comes out, that'll be something. Uh, possibly worth looking into to see what Todd Bowles did with his scheme to kind of help out Ryan Smith and make sure that he didn't get uh, exposed and just kind of hammered, you know, the way that Jamel Dean did in, in Seattle. But when you have such a limited number of defensive backs on the roster already, it's it's kind of hard once one of your guys goes down. So unfortunately that happened to Jamel and, you know, we'll, we'll hope that he's going to come back next week, uh, stronger, healthier and able to play. And as far as Rojo's concerned, uh, my understanding from what Bruce Arians said is, that Ronald, you know, missed missed a blitz pickup on that fumble, uh, on that James Winston fumble. So, uh, yeah, third quarter, you know, about nine minutes left in the third quarter. It's twenty-five nothing game. The Buccaneers are in, you know, scoring range ish. Like they're moving. There's a lot of wind, uh, like Matt said earlier in, in his voicemail. But you know, they were kind of getting into Matt Gay range, and then it was play action pass. Uh, James Winston opens up to his right side. Ronald Jones goes to the left. Uh, James Winston comes out of the, uh, what should have been the play action motion and is met directly by a defender, uh, is able to escape that initial defender, but then just gets hammered from behind by Jacksonville Jaguar safety Andrew Wingard. Ball comes out, uh, the Jags recover, and Ronald Jones is essentially never to be heard from again, at least in this game. And that was the play right there. I mean, I kind of went through some of the other uh, sacks that Jameis Winston had, uh, Rojo was in on some of them, but a lot of times, you know, the, the play action to Rojo was on the other side of the formation, and either there was an adjustment missed or, or something, you know, was missed on an assignment there. Uh, not really something that looked at least apparent to me to be Rojo's fault. Uh, but, you know, that's one of those things when you have a quarterback, you know, even in a 25 to nothing game, when you have a quarterback who's out there trying to make plays for your team and you have, you know, blocking packages put in for him and blocking calls put in for him, uh, you got to go out there and execute those plays because this Bruce Arian system, Byron Leftwich offense, uh, is is already designed. You know, just because of the way it's designed, your quarterback is already going to take more hits than maybe most people want their quarterback hit, and that's just kind of one of those things that's understood about this scheme. So what they need is a quarterback who can execute within those parameters and operate even with all that pressure. And Jameis Winston certainly can. And has shown that, you know, at his best, you know, he's he's definitely a quarterback that can withstand the pressure and do it. Sometimes it does get to him. But as teammates, as blockers, the more you can do, the more they can do to help Jameis in those in those environments. Uh, obviously the better off the entire team will be. So I think it's just a, a simple matter of, you know, you can't you can't be the guy responsible for getting your quarterback hammered the way that he did and come back on the field for this game. I don't think that you know, Ronald Jones is never going to get on the field again. I'm sure that we'll see plenty of him next week uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. He'll probably, I would venture to say, he'll probably still start next week. You know what I mean? But it's going to have to be a lesson that he learned from. And again, guys, I mean, remember, this is this is a guy who, you know, as much improvement as Ronald Jones has made this year, he is a guy who, you know, in, in his own way has admitted to it as well. Part of the problem he had in his rookie year had to do with understanding schemes, understanding reads, and making the right ones. So as he, while he's come a long way, that's why on one of those kind of one of those moments where he's reverting back to some of those things that had his play time limited so much as a rookie. So you want to encourage that growth. You want to keep that growth going. 
one of the ways you can do that is to make that repercussion mean something. And that repercussion of him not getting back on the field definitely will mean something to Ronald. I don't think Ronald is taking it as, you know, a uh, an unfair punishment per se. I think Ronald will take it in the coming week as motivation. He'll work. He'll get better. Those That running back group is very supportive of each other. And I think he'll use this as motivation to get better. And hopefully we'll see that improvement next week. Um, and then as far as trading OJ, um, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to trade OJ. I think if they were going to trade OJ, they would have done it this year. What I will agree with, though, is that this scheme, while doesn't always maximize the potential of the number one tight end, certainly does not maximize the potential of two tight ends. So either OJ or Cam definitely seems to be expendable at this point outside of you know just overly being concerned about injury. So if the team is going to move one, I'm gonna. I would guess that they're probably gonna move Cam, and I understand that OJ's production has been very low. But when you look at you know games like today, you know what he was able to do today, what he was able to do against Arizona, it's not so much that the scheme doesn't allow the tight end to be a big part of what's going on. It's more a matter of figuring out a way to get OJ into the right position to be able to do these things, getting him into the groove. And I think as far as athleticism is concerned and upside, OJ's got more of it than Cam does. So moving Cam Brayton seems to be more of a likely option just to me, uh, just coming from that. But you're right about both Prashad Perryman and O.J. Howard. One game of, of solid production doesn't make up for, for everything else. You know, we saw a solid production out of O.J. against Arizona, and then we saw what happened the very next week. Brashad, this is really the first time we've seen consistent solid production in one game. Um, and I will agree, Brashad is he's, – he's kind of a guy who needs – the ball to be in the right place against the right coverage with the right conditions and, and so on and so forth. That's kind of always been how he was. And when the Baltimore Ravens drafted him in the, in the tail end of the first round when he came out from uh, from college, that was part of his scouting report then too. The hope is always going to be that this is a guy who can develop some of those other traits that you need. Brashad just really hasn't developed those traits. And, you know, that's fine in, in a certain aspect as long as your role fits uh, what you're, you're able to do. We'll have to see if Prashad Perryman can turn in, you know, two or three more performances like this one as the year moves on. Then the Buccaneers may be interested in coming to the table and saying, you know, hey, let's see if we can come to an agreeable dollar amount. My bet on that, though, is honestly the Buccaneers are kind of hoping he strings together a couple of good games so that another team wants to sign and give him a chance and they get a compensatory pick in 2021 for him while they go out, get a younger guy, maybe find another veteran who can, who can come in on a one-year prove-it deal. And, and make some things happen. But, yeah, uh, while we're praising Rashad Perryman for what he did against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, by all means, like, by no means I, uh, am I saying right here that, you know, this is a guy let, the, for the future that the Buccaneers need to hold on to Rashad Perryman. But never say never. There's still plenty of season left to, for, for a guy like Perryman to make his mark. Um, but before he can do that, we got to get through the rest of these voicemails. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Hey guys, it's Anthony from Tampa. Just wanted to call in and talk about Rojo a little bit. Obviously, it was a great win. Uh, no need to get into that because I'm sure you guys will talk about that. But everybody's really upset about Rojo getting uh, benched after not picking up the blitz. And they're kind of disappointed with BA, and I've seen a lot of guys mad about it. Um, I'm a little confused because everybody knew that that's how B.A. is when he came to Tampa, and that's the reason that we brought him here, to be that type of coach with accountability. And that's what this team needs. I love Rojo. 
I think Rojo is the best back on this team by far, and I think he's going to be a outstanding player for the future of this team. But I think it was the right move by B.A. And, you know, a lot of these same people that are mad that Rojo got benched today are the same people that thought Rojo was garbage last year. So I don't know why everyone's so mad. I mean, we won the game. It, it really isn't as big of a deal as everybody's making it. And on top of all that, I do think B.A. could possibly be holding Rojo from breaking out this season because next season is when he's really going to be making a push. I mean, obviously, B.A. didn't come in here expecting to go to the Super Bowl in his first season with the Bucks, We all know that. Yes, he might have said things close to that, but he didn't actually mean it. We all know that B.A. is working for 2020, and it really isn't beyond any coach in the NFL to do something along the lines of hold the player out so that when they break out is when the team really needs it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But go Bucks, Good team win. Start stacking them up. All right. Thanks for the call. And yeah, like I said, we we're going to talk about a little bit about Rojo. I mean, this episode is largely going to be kind of centered around Rojo. And I saw some of the, some, some of the same things you saw. Uh, people were a little upset about Ronald Jones being being benched. And, and I'll tell you, man, when 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 Ronald Jones misses that blitz pickup, right? It's third quarter. It's twenty five to nothing. And granted, you know, the 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 turnover obviously gives the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, back the ball. After that fumble, the, the Jaguars got the ball back at their own 39-yard line, so pretty good field position and everything else. Uh, they drive down. It takes them three and a half minutes to get within range to kick a 53-yard field goal. You know what I mean? So this is a situation where where Bruce Arians has the ability to hold Ronald Jones accountable, and I think that's that's the big thing with the whole accountability conversation because I think I know you know I I understand I think I understand where some of these people are coming from. So you see a guy like Vernon Hargraves, right? Vernon Hargraves and his lack of effort, his lack of you know development, or whatever whatever you want to call it, wasn't something new. You know what I mean? Uh, even with with Bruce Arians in town and Todd Bowles in town, uh, it was something that happened earlier in the offseason. You know, he was kicked out of the practice because he wasn't ready. He wasn't mentally prepared to be a, a, a productive part of the team. I think that the, the team, the coaching staff, gave him some leeway because he is a number one draft pick, so you don't want to waste those if you can tap into that uh, tap into that potential and everything. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't something that, you know, Vernon was apparently willing to kind of work on, you know, and that's something that he's going to have to get better at uh, in Houston and then even beyond if he wants to have a long, healthy NFL career because I'll tell you, um, a guy who doesn't have the greatest track record performance-wise, who also has a bad attitude, is not going to stick around the league for a while. And I'm not saying in, – in in that situation, it's a little bit different than in this situation because in that situation, you know, if, if Vernon Hargis – like I understand Jamel Dean has made a lot of improvement. And Sean Murphy Bunting is also making improvement. Carlton Davis, actually, he's making improvement as the season goes on. But they weren't making that improvement in the beginning of the year. And I think leeway comes out of, you know, the amount of flexibility that this coaching staff is going to give and any leader is going to give with their quote-unquote accountability list is also going to lean on availability. How, how available is action for me? How much am I able to do to kind of get the message through to this guy? And when you look at Vernon Hargraves 
in you know weeks one through eight, whatever whatever it was. The, the the cornerback position is very thin. We already knew that. They're very young. We already knew that. I mean, was Jamel Dean ready to play, ready to start against the Arizona Cardinals? No. I would I would argue that he wasn't. Was he ready to start in London against Carolina Panthers? Now, granted, Vernon wasn't the greatest option himself, but on the field, production-wise, he maybe was a better better option than the rest of those guys. And basically what happened in against Arizona is he kind of showed – this coaching staff, they had gotten to the point, the other players on the team had gotten to the point where they showed the coaching staff, hey, now we're at the kind of the the lip of the, or we're at the cusp of this whole thing where we can look across our depth chart and say, you know what, we're actually better off without you or there's a there's a no loss if we, if we move on from you. So they were able to do that and the secondary has looked better since. So then you look at, you know, the wide receiver position. Again, Brashad Perryman comes up today because he has a good game and, and everything else. But we look at Brashad Perryman throughout uh, the season and he hasn't been this this productive guy. But if the Buccaneers move on from Rashad Perryman and quote unquote hold him accountable for not producing, who are they going to turn to? Scotty Miller has had his own issues producing. He doesn't bring the same skill set that Rashad Perryman does. He doesn't have the length. He doesn't have the size, um, and, and so on and so forth. He doesn't have the ability to fight against some of these cornerbacks. Even though Rashad Perryman isn't the biggest fighter in the world he's going to naturally have a, a better chance of winning some of those things against bigger cornerbacks than Scotty Miller is simply because of size. Look at the running back position. They've got three running backs that really they they feel comfortable using, you know, at specific moments in the game. And Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, and Dario Gumbawale. Uh, Dare has, has long been thought of as the best pass protector of the bunch. Ronald is obviously the more dynamic, the more explosive guy. And Peyton is the better guy between the tackles through the middle of the line, so on and so forth. That being said, however, that means they don't all, like none of them do any of that stuff so well that they can't come off the field. You know, and we've, we've heard Bruce Arians talk about this before. We talked about when he was talking about making final cuts. Make it to where I can't cut you. Well, one something that none of these running backs have done is made it to where Byron Leftwich just is terrified if I don't have this guy on the field. Bruce Arians is just terrified if he doesn't have this guy on the field. You look at Mike Evans and some of his drops. Some of the drops that he's had, there are receivers out there in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, that if he had some of the drops he's had, his playtime, at least in that week, would have been cut uh, fairly significantly. But because you're Mike Evans, and we know that, you know what, man, maybe you did drop that third and sixth slant. Okay. But you're also going to be the guy who's going to go up and you're going to snag the ball and you're going to fight it away from a defender and you're going to take what could have been an interception and turn it into a reception. Chris Godwin, maybe you did run a wrong route on an interception. But you know what? We also know that you're going to run the right route or you're going to make the right adjustment and you're going to make some guys miss and you're going to take a five-yard screen, turn it into a 25-yard gain. So those are things that make you they, – they give you a little bit of flexibility, to be quite honest with you. In the running back group, you don't have that because, yeah, you're Ronald Jones and you're faster than everybody and you've got more of a home run threat than everybody else. But really, how often is Ronald Jones hitting home runs? Not very often. So there's nothing that says, man, without Rojo – we absolutely cannot move the ball on the ground. That's not true. Peyton, Peyton Barber moved the ball on the ground today without Rojo uh, for the for the back half of the game. Um, did they get any home run hits? No, they definitely did not. Uh, but the two touchdowns scored on the ground were Peyton Barber. So you can bench Ronald Jones and be okay. Um, but, I think, but I think the circumstances also play into it. Again, it's third quarter. You're down 25 to nothing. And I don't know when they benched him. I don't know if they, you know, if they came off the field after the fumble and Bruce or Byron or both of them said, sit down, you're done for the day. Or 
if it was after the three and a half minutes where you know it took the the Jaguars three and a half minutes to go from getting the ball at their own forty to getting into fifty plus field goal range, maybe that's when they said, "Hey, we're going to take this and we're going to make it a teaching moment. You're not playing anymore in this game. We want you to sit here and understand what it's like to be on the sideline because if you make plays like that continuously, you're going to be on the sideline while everybody else is out there producing for this team." And personality is Ronald Jones the kind of guy that that's going to mean something to him? Or is he the kind of guy who's going to sit back and say, man, I just got a quarter and a half off where I'm not on the field getting beat up. I'm not on the field taking hits and we won. So I'm good. And I don't need to learn anything. I think Ronald is the kind of guy who wants to be on the field all four quarters. He wants to start the game. He wants to finish the game. He wants to be the guy to get the first drive touchdown. He wants to be the guy to run the clock out while they walk to the victory at the end of the game. And so I think sitting out the second half of this game, even though the Buccaneers still won, is going to mean something to him. It's going to make him study harder. It's going to make him prepare a little bit harder. And when he comes into the next game situation, he's going to be a guy who says, when, when, when his number is called, when, when the play is called, it says, hey, we're, it's a play-action pass. After the play-action, you're staying in for pass protection. He's going to remember Against Jacksonville, I thought it was to the left, it was to the right. I went to the wrong side, I didn't play again. So he's going to make sure that on that next play call, he understands which side he's supposed to be on, which side of the quarterback he's supposed to be protecting, and it's going to help him get better, and it's going to make the team better in the long run. So I'm not concerned with it. Um, I, you know, The question about accountability and why is one player benched for the rest of the game after making one mistake while this other player continues to get you know chances and snaps – I think it comes down to availability. You can only be as strict as your mission, your operations allows you to be. Um, that's just that's just the bottom line of it, guys. Um, so that's my opinion on that. We do have some other voicemails, but they are very interesting questions that I wanted to save until James was on with me. So I'm going to save those until tomorrow so that James can answer those questions with me. If you have other questions, by all means, guys, feel free to call in and drop those into the voicemail box. For those who, those of you who don't have the number... Uh, just dial 813-444-5841. Thanks so much for everybody who called. Thanks for everybody who's over at BucksNation.com. Follow along with myself on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Follow James at JRCO underscore Bucks. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to the show. We appreciate it. Enjoy your second straight victory Monday. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me right here at Lockdown Bucks.